Because you belong to Jesus, because of that truth, that is absolutely the case, because of that, that actually is the purpose of me having this conversation, this preaching, this sermon that I want to give to you tonight. Because you belong to Jesus, you do not belong to a political party. Because you belong to Jesus, yes, I understand we are Americans, and I am blessed to call myself an American, but my identity is not primarily the United States of America. My citizenship, the citizenship that matters to me, actually is in heaven, not on this earth. Now again, I understand God has placed us in a time and a place, but we just sang the song, now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. That ought to matter more to you than who gets elected to the White House and who gets elected to the con congressional seat, who becomes the next county commissioners and all those other things. Those things ought to matter more to you. So therefore, when I ask you, or I'm going to tell you out of the scripture tonight, rather I'm going to tell you, my title is, How to Vote as a Christian. What I should not and dare not do is to tell you how to do that based on my personal political views. First of all, if I were to do that, I'd probably make half of you mad. No, nope, I'd make about three quarters of you mad. I'd confuse the other quarter of you because then I'm saying that not because I'm so high and intellectual. It's just because my mind thinks in a very different way about politics. Y'all might have seen that from some of the things I've preached and talked about. My mind thinks very differently about politics. And I'd be glad to, over a good old strong cup of coffee, have a nice long debate about who and what and all those things about politics. If you want to have that conversation, because I'll talk about it. If, it. if it gives you any, well, I'll just hush. I'm, I'm going to give away too much when I start talking about that. I'm just saying, I got opinions. Don't get me wrong. I got opinions. Got plenty of them. My, me, and, me and Harrison, we go rounds on these opinions, and they're fun conversations. But you don't need my opinions. Now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. So it's the words of the master that matter more than the political ads that you see, than even a man who stands in the pulpit purporting to be a man of God telling you, quote, unquote, how to vote. Why do I tell you that? Because we are now going to look at the Bible to see how we ought to vote. And you say, well, what does Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14 have to do any, with anything about voting? Well, let me try to explain that for a second. The Bible does not anywhere, as best as I can tell, I'll be open for a uh, shout, shout down if I, if I missed this, but I do not see anywhere where the Bible literally says you must vote in these ways. It does not tell us that. In fact, there really isn't even a concept of voting. Did you know that in the Bible was written, if you were a citizen, if I can use those terms, of the nations that the Christians would have been citizens of, you would have had no say whatsoever over who your leaders were. You just got announced this guy, Nero, is your emperor, and you have to worship him as a god. That's what they would have told you. They wouldn't have put you in a ballot booth, a ballot, uh, in, a ballot, uh, in a voting booth is the word I'm trying to say, and I'm saying all these words together. They wouldn't have put you in a voting booth where you could draw a curtain and circle in your little circles, and nobody would be any wiser what you did. There would be Because I'm telling you, I'm going to vote. I haven't done it yet. I'm going to do that, and there will be no repercussions because nobody's going to know what I'm going to do. Now, unless I tell them, you understand, I can tell them if I want to, but I can lie to you. People do that. You know that? People lie. They lie. Lie. But anyway, the point is that back in the Christian, when the Bible's written, 
Christians didn't have that option. There's nowhere in the Bible does it talk about that. Voting seems to be a fairly modern invention. Did you know there's not even voting in the Bible about the church? Do you know when you go back to Acts, they didn't make decisions by majority vote. They didn't. They actually did it by a unanimous consent to the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, are you talking about taking voting out of the church? No, no, no. These are fine things to do. I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just saying, let's be careful to say what the Bible says about voting, because it doesn't say anything explicit about it. So it should give us pause when we hear things like, I have heard, maybe you haven't heard these things, but I have, that people are saying, well, I'm voting in accordance with biblical values. And I understand what they're trying to say, and I appreciate what they're trying to say, but I'm wondering what biblical values you're talking about. When they, other people say, well, that person is in sin if they vote for this person or this policy and these things. I think we need to be careful with that. There's even a movement in some areas, it's not in our church or in our affiliated churches, thank the Lord, but there are some who say, if you vote a certain way, we're going to vote you out of our church assembly because of your vote. So what we need to be doing is taking time to see what the Scripture says, not necessarily about voting, but some principles that I think we can take really to any area of life. Everything I'm going to tell you should apply whether you're talking about walking into a voting booth or whether you're going to work tomorrow or whether you're raising your children or you're working around wrong side of your neighbors. Whatever you're doing, these are principles that matter, but I'm purposely applying them to this moment in time that we're in where we have the option, thank the Lord, to have a say in our government, thank the Lord for that, but we need to treat this as something as a Christian, not first as a United States citizen, but first as a Christian. So when we go to Romans chapter 12, 13 and 14, Paul has been talking to Christians, or rather to people, about what it means to be a Christian. How do you become a Christian? So he's now in chapter 12, sort of transitioning his thought to say, because of what Jesus has done, you know, he's laid out salvation by grace, through, through faith, justification, all those things, those big, deep doctrines in chapters 1 through 11. And now he's transitioning to say, here's the implication. What does it mean to be a Christian? That's what he's about to talk about in the following chapters. So as a result of that, I want to give you from this, and you can see it laid out in that sheet of paper if you're going to take notes with me. I'll try to be as brief as reasonable, uh, but want to hit through these points. We're going to look at 11 principles that I believe Christians ought to take into the voting booth in however you choose to vote. And I want to go ahead and go home the record as to say I'm not going to tell you a name to vote for or a party to vote for. I won't do it. It's not my job. That's not, I don't believe that's my job. I do believe I can give you from the Scripture principles that are unassailable that you ought to take into the voting booth, and we'll look at these each in turn. The first one is you need to be voting, this is number one, you need to be voting with a mind that is renewed by the Spirit. Your voting should be voting with a mind that is renewed by the Spirit. I just want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He talks to believers, this is talking to believers, he says, and be not conformed to this world. The, that word conformed means to be, to, to sort of have a, a mask put on you, to be shaped and molded, to, to appear to be like something, 
to this world is really specific to the age that we live in, the moment in time, the, the prevailing wisdom. He's saying, do not allow this world to shape your thinking. And when I say the world, don't just think the liberal elites in Hollywood. Think Fox News. Think CNN. Think whatever newspaper you take. Think social media that you consume. Think the people that you sit next to at work or even at church. That's the world's age. This whole system, everybody's opinion. Don't we all have them? Don't we all have them? We all do. Some of them are worth listening to because they're shaped by the scripture, shaped by wisdom of, 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 of experience. But half of them ain't worth listening to. Let me just tell you. He says, don't be conformed by that. But instead, look, keep continue reading. But instead, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need a mind that is new and different. And the specific thing he has in mind here is being transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. That starts first with something we call regeneration. You need to be made alive in Christ. You need to be born again. Second of all is once you're born again, that Holy Spirit, he's in you. He sanctifies you. He makes you holy he gives you a new way of looking at life. And then ultimately, it is taught to us, it is transmitted to us by the Scripture. So if I'm going to have a new mind, I need it not to be conformed by this world, what they're trying to shout at me, but instead I need to be coming at the voting booth and saying, what does the Bible say about these issues? What does the Bible say about these attitudes? What does the Bible say about these policies? What does the Bible say? And what does God think about these matters? So you need to be voting in your voting booth with a mind that's renewed by the Spirit, point number one. Point number two, you need to be voting with the body of Christ in view. You need to be voting with the body of Christ in view. I want to turn your attention down to verse 4 of chapter 12. Verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body... And all members have not the same office. His point there is simply that we have a lot of people within the body of Christ. We all don't do the same thing. There's going to be different people who do different jobs, and that's the right way to do. Just like a human body. Every part of my body can't be fingers. I'd be a weird-looking critter if I had nothing but fingers. And we need, we need all the parts of, body, parts of the body to make this thing work. Same thing in the church, verse 5. So, because of that, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Now, I want to make sure that I don't do, do an injustice to the Scripture here. What Paul's point is to say, you're now different from the world. You need to recognize you're now part of a body, the body of Christ, the church. You're part of that and you've got a job to do. That's his bigger point here. Do understand that. But the application I want to give you for this is because you're part of a body, you're not doing what you do in isolation. What you do represents the larger body of Christ. I think we, we like to think, and we have this individualistic idea of ourselves. Well, I'm just going to do what I want to because that's my right. And I'll just tell you, you're in America, and as far as I know, they haven't taken that many rights away yet. They're threatening them, but they haven't taken that many away yet. And so, yeah, you're right. You have every right to do whatever you well please. But like my daddy said when I was trying to leave the house, he says, boy, don't you ever forget your Achilles. And what you do reflects on our family. That's what he said, and I think he's right. Don't you ever forget, if you're a Christian, 
You are a follower of Jesus Christ. And what you do, what you say out loud, even that little circle that you circle in, the candidates you support, the policies you support, all of those things, you're putting your weight, the weight of not just your name, but the name of Christ behind that. I want to just tell you, that ought to make us think twice. I'm not saying you're right or wrong to vote one way or another, but you better be prepared to stand before God and say, yep, I did that knowing full well that I'm reflecting not just my own opinions, but I'm reflecting the body of Christ because you are have the whole body of Christ in view. You serve a purpose within the body, and in doing what you do, you are representing the entire body of Christ. And if you're sitting there saying, well, as my kids sometimes say, Daddy, it ain't as deep as all that. I think you're missing the point. Jesus Christ died to make you part of something bigger than yourself. You are part of the body of Christ. You are part of this eternal body that Jesus made, that Jesus bled and died for. That ought to mean something. I would argue, by the way, just we're talking about politics here, but it ought to mean something outside of politics. It ought to mean something about how we live, how we talk, where we go, the things we say, the, the attitudes that we take on. We need, to, we need to straighten ourselves up because some of us, we like to say we're part of the body of Christ, but we like to live like we're part of the family of Satan. And we just need to get that stuff straightened out real quick. So we do represent something here that's larger than us. So we need to vote with the body of Christ in view. Point number three, we need to vote with a heart of real. And I emphasize, if you want to underline it, make it all bold, whatever you want to do in your notes, but a heart of real love. Not just a heart of love. I think we have to emphasize real love because if you go here and the key verse I want to point you to is in verse 12 where he says, let love be without dissimulation. That word is don't let it be fake. Don't let it be made up. Don't let it be uh, 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 something that's a lie. He says it needs to be genuine love. Now I think he goes on in the following verses to explain what that is and I'll just briefly say that that is a heart that hates evil. That's a heart that puts other people first. That's a heart that works hard, that puts its hands to the plow and does what it needs to do to serve other people. That's a heart that cares about other people's needs, not just my own needs. This is a heart that seeks peace, that doesn't try to stir the pot, that doesn't look to make a mess where there doesn't need to be a mess made. This is a heart that lets God get the revenge. You can see this in chapter 12 and verse 19. And this is a heart that says, I want you to look with me in verse 21. Go to verse 21. He says there, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I can't speak to how people go out in the streets and do the violence that they do in reaction to political or uh, legal decisions. I, I can't personally speak to that. They're not my people. I mean that in the, the strictest sense of the word. They're not my church. That we, I don't know those people. I don't have a relationship with those people. But I will speak to each one of you, and I'm not that there's a thread of this, and this may be kind of speaking to the, preaching to the choir, as they say, but I will say this very plainly. There is no cause for the body of Christ to resort to violence, to resort to anger, to resort to, resort to I will even say, you know, speaking on street corners in, in angry ways and flashing signs and signals. We don't need to be doing that as God's people as a result of a political or a legal decision. 
Does that mean we don't speak against evil? Absolutely not. We ought to speak against evil. But the Bible says here, do not be overcome, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Our job as body of Christ is to, yes, we do what's right, we stand for what's right, and we take the consequences when people are against us. But we don't sit and act as if our world is at an end. No, no, no. Even if none of these elections ever go what we might say our way, we're not sitting there trying to figure out how to overthrow this thing. Our job is to be the people, the cause of good, to be the people who love, the people who care, the people who say and speak in a right way. I'm telling you, some of these people, I think their attitudes are right on certain, certain, uh, certain sides of these equations. Let me be a little more specific. I, 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 I can sense my beating around the bush meter going around here. Let me get straight to the point. There's two, two, two distinct sides here. You've got those who have rioted because of what they perceive as racial injustice. Then you've got these over here, these people who are the MAGA heads. They're, they're the people who are you know, waving around, hooting and hollering, and, and threatening people, whether they're doing anything or not. It's another thing. But I've seen them. Y'all may not have seen them, but I've seen them. And they, they just kind of vile in their, in their approach to things. Let me just tell you, for different reasons, both of those are not Christian. For different reasons, different reasons. I mean, I, I'd rather you say insults to me than to, to hurt me. Take, I'll take that all day, but just, just understand that. But as Christians, I'm talking about as Christians. We're not talking about, do you want it? I'm saying, is it Christian? Is it right? Both of those are wrong. Because my job is to have a real heart of love as I support my candidate, even though he or, he or she may lose, I'm going to support my candidate, I'm going to endorse them, I'm going to promote them as best as I can, but I'm not going to let evil rule my heart in pursuit of what I see as some better end. There's not a ends justifies the means mentality within Christianity. We believe that we do right for the right reasons because we serve a mighty God. So we are to vote with a heart of real love. Number four, we're to vote with respect for authority. I want to show you verse thir chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. God is the one who installs leaders. As you all know, there have been some people in the last nearly four years, three-something years, who have absolutely been, I would say, disrespectful disgracefully disrespectful of our president. Now, I'm going to just tell you, the man has not really done a whole lot to earn too many people's respect sometimes, to be fair. But nonetheless, nonetheless, he is the man that God has put in that position, and he ought to be respected as such. Now, let's do this. Let's fast forward after <laughs> what I anticipate to be a long legal battle. Um, so maybe about January, we might know who our next president is. But when we get the results, and if that happens to be that the guy that you didn't want, let's say it was Joe Biden, that's the guy that you didn't want, he now becomes the president. Everything I just said applies to what would be at that time in this future that we don't know yet, of course, that would apply to that man. I will just tell you, I was disgusted. Let me just kind of re re rewind time for just a minute for you. I was disgusted at the way that certain people treated our president when George W. Bush was the president. Particularly at the end of his term, there were people that were mocking him mercilessly 
unnecessarily. I didn't agree with all of his politics. I'll grant you that. There were some things I didn't care for the war that he got us involved in, and I understand some of the details underneath that, but just know that he was our president. I hated that, the way that people acted towards him. But then what I found was whenever the next man came in, Barack Obama, the shoe, as it were, was on the other foot, and I found it disgraceful that some of the same people that were bemoaning how they were treating our president were treating our then-president exactly the same way. And I'm trying to get you to see that as a Christian, my job is not to support my guy. My job, as much as lieth within me, I am to have respect for the authorities that I know that God has ordained. And let's be clear, Romans 13 was not written when the discussion was Barack Obama and George Bush, or, uh, you know, or whoever he was running, I can't even remember who he was running against, uh, McCain, McCain, that's who it was. Man, my mind just went blank for a second. It wasn't written during that time. It wasn't written when it's Donald Trump and Joe Biden. That's not when it's written. It's written when nobody had any say whatsoever over who these people were. These people were forced upon God's people, yet God has written in his Bible to say, you need to be subject to those higher powers. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So there ought to be some respect and obedience. Now, let's be clear. I want to make sure I give this the right nuance because I don't want to, this is not blind obedience. We're not those people. God's people stand for what's right. The minute that they tell us something that's not right, we're going to say we respect your, your, your ability to say that, but we're going to do what's right. Remember Peter over in Acts? They said, boy, hush, hush preaching about Jesus. And he said, I got to obey God rather than man. And we're going to have to do that. I think the day may come sooner than we'd like to think that we are going to have to make that choice. But what I'm trying to get us, don't, don't jump to that really quickly because there's a place for civil disobedience. There's a place for us to do what's right in spite of what the government said. But I don't think we need to be saying it as much as I have, I'll have to apologize. I have to apologize right now as I'm saying this. I think the Lord's convicting me. I've said some ugly things about our governor in this state. Now, don't get me wrong, I believed him. But I don't mean it's right. I'm trying to preach to y'all, and I'm sitting up here a hypocrite. I have to admit that. What I'm trying to get you to see is we are to respect authority. Yes, we can be civilly disobedient for higher principles, but we ought to be praying for those people even as they take us to prison, if that's what it comes to. Point number five, I must move on for the sake of time. Point number five, we need to be voting with concern for our neighbor. Voting with concern for our neighbor. I want to jump all the way down to verse 8 of chapter 13. Paul writes, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. You are to love all people. And loving your neighbor is the fullest expression of God's law. If you go back to the Old Testament law, what that whole thing was written for, and there's two principles that sum up the whole purpose of the law. Principle number one, love God with everything that you are. Principle number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, if you will love your neighbor as yourself, the, in verse 10, he kind of reiterates this, go there, he says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. If we are simply voting out of self-interest, what protects me and mine, 
what puts them i don't care what happens to them if that's truly the way you're voting and you're actually your attitude is one that says it's about what i want not what my neighbor wants i don't care what happens to them if the reason is because of the 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 the, the poverty that they live in because they were illegal aliens or any of these other things if that's if that's what i don't care what that happens to them if you're truly operating from that that is not a godly vote a godly vote i'm not suggesting i want to make sure i'm real clear on this i'm not necessarily saying that you can't be let's just use immigration as an example i'm not necessarily saying that you can't be against open borders and be a godly person i think you absolutely can i think there's a right way to do that but if your motivation for voting against more liberal immigration policies is because i got to protect mine and mine me and mine and i don't care what happens to them if that's your attitude that is not a godly attitude if on the other hand you're talking about protecting and protecting your neighbors i think there's a right way to do that but the point is how does your vote help others in your community around you how does it help them and if it does then i think that is a vote that you are at least taking godly principles into account Go to number six. We need to vote with urgency for God's mission. Go to verse 11 with me, chapter 13, verse 11. He says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The end is near, y'all. I think it is the devil's work for us to be so consumed with what particular media outlets are saying about a political election. Forgive me, but I have been hearing it is the most important election in our lifetime, my entire lifetime. I, I, don't, 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 don't get me wrong. I, I get that, these are, these have, that elections have consequences, as they say. But I think it's the devil's work to get God's people focused in on whether Joe Biden or Donald Trump is the next president of the United States of America. Do you realize that God is not worried about a four-year time period the same way you and I are? A year as as a thousand years to the Lord. The, God is working, he's working on eternity modules. You and I are working on step by step by step and what the bible is telling us in romans 2000 or 1900 years ago it was written he said it's time to wake up christian it's time to get your head out of the sand quit focusing in on the wrong things go to verse 13 he says let us walk honestly as in the day not in drunkenness and white rioting not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying he says, because if we work on those things, we're going to put other people at risk. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're, we're focused on the wrong thing. And we got to understand that there are souls in the balance. Which is why he says in verse 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The question is, are you actually wearing Christ? Are you working and walking through this world? Are you walking through this world actually reflecting Christ? Or are you more interested, more worried about, can I just put it, the stupidity, the inanity of the fact that one man, one political party will win over another? And you may say, as I do, well, what about the babies? 
there's abortion at the line. And I understand that. I want, can I, I'll go on the line for this one, this one. I, I, I don't mind telling my political view here because I've said it before. I'm not just against abortion. I think it should be abolished. I think it should be not, not only less abortion. I want less of them, yeah. But my goal is not less. My goal is to make it not just unconscionable, but illegal. That's my goal. I just want to go ahead and say that on the record. But, but, but understand that I honestly, we have to get out of this picture that we got to vote this person in so that this Supreme, we're playing chess is what we're doing. We're sitting here trying to make what moves do we need to make. Can, can I just tell you, and I'm going to be as negative as I know how to be real quick. Your vote ain't going to amount to a hill of beans about how many babies are going to get killed or not killed in this country. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And you can disagree with me if you want to, but I'm just, I tell you, it don't matter. You know why? Because there's sinners in this world, and they're going to figure out ways to do that. So let me just tell you, you got to worry less about who's in the White House and how many people that we bring into the church house. Y'all need to be more worried about the women who are actually on the front lines, worried about this stuff, actually helping them, living with them, caring about them, investing in them, if y'all would put half the energy into those people, the, the girls that sit on our church pews who are going to have people praying on them, if we put half the investment into them that we put into making sure that a real estate mogul gets put back in the White House, God help us. We've got our attention on the wrong thing. There's an urgency that's missing for God's mission. We're so worried about the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Maybe not as much in this church, but some churches, they're preaching about the Democratic Party. They're so worried about that. You've missed the boat. There needs to be an urgency for God's mission. Point number seven. We also need to be voting with grace for the choices of others. We need to be voting with grace for the choices of others. Chapter 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. We need to be in the business of receiving each other. You see, what happens is, as I talked about at the beginning, we can easily start equating people who view their politics in a particular way, that there's something deficient in their salvation, that they, are just, they need to be judged in some way. But he says, go to verse 3, let not him that eateth, he's talking about eating meat that's offered to idols, but the, the principle here is things that are different between people. Let him that eateth or does something different than you despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. There are going to be some people, surprise, surprise, <laughs> maybe even in this church, that don't vote like you vote. And they might not tell you, or they might tell you. I don't know. They might be brazen and just say, hey, I'm going to vote this way. And that's fine, whatever. Like say, we're going to do that. But your job is not to hate or to judge them, but instead remember, as he says there, for God hath received him. God, can, God has accepted a lot of garbage out of you, too. And, 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 I, and again, I, I told you, I got, I got a opinions on politics i got opinions and i think some my opinion not bible-based my matthew's my matthew head opinion is that there's some political views that i just don't understand how people come to them i just don't get it where'd you come up with that i just can't see it 
How as a Christian you can do that? I, just, I, there, I would say that. But I also have to remember, Matthew, how as a Christian are you going to say the things that you said to that person? Talk the way that you talk. Look at the things that you looked at. Listen to the things that you listened to. Go the places that you went. Do the things that you did. Thank God for his grace. I want you to please understand that there are going to be people, Christian people, that you will go to heaven with that are going to vote different than you. And let's quit getting on our high horse. Let's get off our high horse real quick and say, you know what? I believe what I believe, and I'm not going to back down from it, and that's fine. I'm not asking you to back down from your beliefs. By goodness, no, don't, I'm not asking you to do that. But I am asking you, when you come up and meet against somebody Maybe they're a different skin color than you, a different background than you, a different side of town than you, a different kind of church than you, and they tell you, I'm voting for blah, blah, blah. Don't rage up in your mind and say, well, they must not be saved. No. You need to accept those brothers, if they're brothers and sisters. I understand some people aren't Christians. I understand that. I'm talking primarily about Christians here, but even those that are not Christians. Don't rage up in your mind and say, well, they're just some kind of reprobate. No. Christ died for them, too. You need to share the love of Jesus. And you may never change their political views, but man, you might can help change their destiny, their eternal destiny. And let me just tell you, that's way more important than what they vote for. Because whoever's the president in January 2021, he, it's going to be a he, but he will at some point no longer be the president. But that person that you're sitting there getting mad about, they're going to live somewhere forever. That needs to matter more to you than anything else. So number seven is let's vote with grace for others' choices. But number eight, we need to vote with understanding that you have an impact on other people. You have an impact on other people. Number, uh, verse number seven of chapter 14, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. What you do actually matters. One of the things I, I want y'all, even, I know I'm talking politics here, but if I can ever teach y'all anything and try to pastor you in one way or another, one of the things I want y'all, every person that's listening to me, and anybody that will ever listen to me on this, you don't live to yourself. The attitudes that you have, the words that you say, you may think it's just, eh, no big deal. We're just sitting around the table talking. I'm just talking to my friend. I'm just sending a text message to my friend. You need to understand that the attitudes that you take show up in the, in the body count of people that will not go to heaven because of the attitudes of Christians, of young people who will never darken another door, even though mom and daddy drug them to church every service, but young people who will never darken a door because of your stinking rotten attitude or because of your foolishness because you felt like doing this or that and you thought it was your right to do this I'm sorry ma'am I'm sorry sir but you don't live to yourself and you sure ain't gonna die to yourself what you do matters yes I just told you you got to give people grace yeah, and I hope people give me grace, and I hope they give you grace. 
But we need to live like what we say, what we do matters to the next generation, to those new believers that I hope God will bless us with, that we'll be able to fill the pews with new believers. Do you know that your attitude now, your approach now, the things you say now, it's going to influence those people if God ever blesses us with them. And by the way, if we don't straighten it up, I can just tell you right now, God may not bless us with them. That may be why that we're not seeing the waters of baptism stirred more than we are. Because God knows what we got here and what we're at, how our attitudes are. But I'm trying to get you to see that your attitude, as your, not just your attitude, but your actions have an impact on other people. You see in verse 8, he says, for whether we live, or whether we, uh, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. You do not serve yourself. You do not serve a political party. I'm going to say the sacrilegious thing. You don't serve the United States of America. You serve a greater master. You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What he says matters more to you. And so therefore, you're not going to live as if you live to yourself because you don't. I will go so far as to say, I believe actually God does, and I'll use the word loosely, judge, but I think it's more chastise. It's probably the right word. But I believe he judges or chastises his children because they don't act like they live in a way that's supposed to help other people. And we need to be cautious of that, be prepared for that. What you do and what you say matters, but also I will just go ahead and say what how you do and how you say matters. The way you do it and what you do matters. I'm going to go on to number nine. We need to vote with understanding that you will ultimately answer to God. You need to vote with the understanding that you will ultimately answer to God. I want you to see this in verse 10. Why, but why dost thou judge thy brother? And why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, now, let's be clear. Paul is talking about this idea of judging one another for what they eat and what they didn't eat, the differences of opinion here. That's what his, his thrust is. But I want to go ahead and take the application, certainly about each of us are responsible to God for our political views and how we exercise our rights to vote, absolutely. But we need to understand that I'm going to stand before God for everything that I do and everything I say. He's going to judge me for that. So I think we need to do a little bit of cleaning of our front porch. We need to straighten out our front porch. I think some were too easy to get on the high horse because we know that we're right. Don't you know? I know I'm right. I don't know about y'all, but I know I'm right all the time. I ain't never had a bad idea. Isn't that how we think? I mean, I, I can tell you, I think that way a lot. But I have to come back and say, hang on a minute. As he says in verse 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. When you go into that voting booth and vote for those line items, so there's going to be, I think, a, in Guilford County, I think there's a bond referendum a bond referendum as well, and there's political candidates, and there's all those things you're going to vote for. As you make those decisions, I don't think we think about this. I've done it too many times where I've gone in there, I don't know who that is, I like that name a little better. Let's circle that one. You ever done that? I don't, don't, maybe you don't need to admit that. But I think we've all maybe done it to some extent. Maybe a few exceptions, but the point is, you need to recognize that when you go into that voting booth and you make those decisions, 
You're making a decision as a Christian answering to a higher power. And I think we need to, I mean, because I think we, we forget about this, not just in the voting booth. By the way, I don't, I'm not trying to elevate the voting booth to some extra high level. I'm talking about when you get up in the morning and the first thing you do, which I can be willing to put money on the table, probably about 70% of y'all, it's picking up a cell phone, ain't it? Don't, don't say amen, but y'all know it's true. Y'all, that 70% of you, it's probably about true. Anyway, whatever that is, that first thing you do in the morning, you're accountable to God for that. When you're driving to wherever you're going, to the job site, to, to the grocery store, wherever you're going, and that attitude you have and those things you do, little things that you're doing, you have her accountable to God for that. Every action you take, you're accountable to God for those things. So you're accountable to God for that. Are you acting and operating in a responsible manner? I'm going to go to number 10. I'm running out of time, so I've got to hurry. We need to vote with politics in perspective. I think the, the big idea here is that there's a whole lot more to your vote than just getting what you want. Go with me to chapter 14 and verse 13. Let us, therefore, judge one another. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus there's nothing unclean in itself, but to him that esteemeth anything is unclean, to him it's unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. That passage right there is telling us that there is a higher principle than your opinion and my opinion. Look at what he says there. He, if you look at Paul's argument about this eating meat offered to idols, he's essentially saying, it's fine, there ain't no problem with it, you can eat it if you want to. But if you read what he says there, there's a higher principle. You know what the higher principle is? I need to be more concerned with other people than I am with my own attitude. He's essentially saying people matter. Do you know that people matter? Ideas are interesting, and I like to debate them with the best of us, but did you know people actually matter? Real people, real human beings, real pe you all, the people I'm looking at, y'all actually matter. Yes, I, I like conceptual big ideas, but people matter. And how I live and operate according to the Holy Spirit, if I go down to verse 17, he says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What I do, if I'm producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that matters. Creating an environment of peace and building people up, that matters. These things are more important than politics. I think we've bought the lie that politics is the most important thing in the world. No, it is not. And not even in November, every four years. No. There are much more massive things we need to vote with politics and perspective. Last point. We need to vote with faith and trust in God. I want you to see this in verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. If there was ever a time to have some faith, now's that time. But if you're going to have it, go ahead and show that faith. Live it out. Be someone of faith. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 23, he that doubteth is damned if he eat. He's saying if there's somebody that's doing something that they don't know if they're sure about, he says that, that's actually going to bring damnation to you because he eateth not of faith. And here's the key phrase, 
For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you will go into that voting booth and make those decisions based on your best information, not saying it's perfect, with the attitude that God is in control of this thing no matter the outcome, that's the right attitude. If, on the other hand, you go in there all panicked and worried, I don't know, if this thing doesn't go the right way, it's the end of the line, you're not operating in faith. You need to trust God that you're doing the right thing and the outcome will be right. I'm going to close with a prayer. The prayer that I'm going to pray, and I hope you'll join me in it, is for God to use his people to be an influence for righteousness. I want, I think God is already in control of the outcome of this election. I think we can have an influence. I think we can have a voice. I think there's all that. But I pray that our church, that God's people across this community, see this as an opportunity to show the love of God in a way that we've never had before. Even, and maybe even especially, if it doesn't go the way you want it to go. I'm going to pray for that. I'm also going to pray for peace in our community because I'm concerned whichever way it goes that there might not be peace and I'm praying that God will bring us peace in spite of what might be a tumultuous outcome so let's pray to that end